Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about vaginal rehab. Many women suffer from an onslaught of unwelcome pelvic floor symptoms even many years after giving birth. Although super common, avoiding trampolines and peeing when you laugh doesn't have to be the new normal. So what does this rehab entail? Susie Haitley tells us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their free quick start video. Created by breastfeeding experts Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher, this video will show you what you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. Go watch it at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty mamas and mamas-to-be and mighty dads and dads-to-be. As always, 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 thank you so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. I appreciate your comments, your requests, and of course your reviews since those help get the show in front of even more parents. So if you enjoy what you hear, then please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. It really, really helps. Before we jump into the show, I wanted to share with you one of the amazingly inspiring emails I've been getting from new moms, letting me know how much the podcast helped them through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. This message comes from Celeste, whose son was born in December. She writes, Since he was born, I've been reflecting on how much your podcast impacted the experience for me. Learning from you and your guests about natural birth was the main reason I wanted to forgo the epidural. I'm so glad I learned about laid-back breastfeeding. I can't imagine how much more difficult it would have been not knowing all the things I know thanks to the Birthful Podcast. My husband and I found your labor support toolkit helpful too. He was skeptical at first, but concluded that it was indeed worth it. He especially appreciated what you wrote about low-pitch sounds being helpful. I like your advice to save the tub until contractions get more intense. Your list of things to ask the nurses was good too. Mostly because it had me going in with a mindset of, I can ask the nurse for things. I think otherwise, it would have taken a while for me to start thinking that way. Thank you so much, Adriana, for all the work you're doing to reach people with such helpful information. I really appreciate it. Celeste, an enormous congratulations to you and your husband on having a satisfying birth experience and on the arrival of your son, of course. I'm happy that the podcast and toolkit were helpful to you because really, that's that's the point of all this. That's why I do this. So thank you for this wonderful message. And to the army of mightiness that is listening right now, to every single one of you, I'm glad you are here listening and that you will find I hope you will find all of this as helpful as it was for Celeste. If so, let me know by sending me a message at birthful.com. And while you're there, treat yourself to a copy of my postpartum preparation worksheet. It's awesome and it's free. All right. Today, we've got Susie Haitley on the show. Since 1993, Susie has been using therapeutic yoga to enable people to get out of pain and back to the life they want to live. She is a yoga teacher, yoga therapist with a background in kinesiology, and she's also the founder of Functional Synergy, which is a studio that provides private movement yoga therapy to clients with pain and health challenges 
in Calgary, Canada. Having worked with women through all stages of pregnancy, she's noticed that a lot of new moms seem, seem resigned to issues related to their post-baby body. And she's on a mission to show new moms how they can prepare and recover from pregnancy and childbirth and not be resigned to that's just how it is after giving birth. To let them know that they can indeed have a strong, healthy and functional body post-baby. Susie, welcome. It's so great to have you here on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about vaginal rehab, pelvic rehab. And I don't know if it's been on my radar more, but it seems that when you go into a grocery store, into a drugstore, the amount of space dedicated for incontinence products seems to be growing, sometimes getting even more space than what is given to feminine hygiene products. And then there's this new market of pee-proof underwear. Um, I was looking through statistics that say that one in three women suffer from pee when they laugh, cough, or just do life after a baby. And while I truly appreciate the fact that all of these wonderful products exist, why is this the new normal? Do we really need to resign ourselves that this is just the way things are in life after baby? I think there's... Uh... There's two, at least two ways of looking at responding to that. One is, is that it's not just life after a baby. And we'll, I will talk about that. It's also that there's a growing number of women who are entering into um, later per, like perimenopause, later perimenopause, menopause. And with hormonal shifts, those things can happen, whether or not you've had babies. So that is a, that, that is a possibility that can happen Uh, physically to someone, even if babies and childbirth and pregnancy did not occur. Um, the, 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 one of the ways to not have that happen, or if it does happen, how you can shift it, I'll explain in just a moment, but I want to also address the, the post baby. And it's true in that sense, even for the, for the later aged uh, women is that there is a real belief that it is normal. Like I think about women and moms who are at the playground, for example, and and you'll hear them say, well, you know, it's just the way it is. You know, we've had babies, it's just the way it is. And while it's normal, like it's a physiological normal experience, it doesn't have to be normal. And that I think is probably, and likely will hear me say this again throughout this interview, is that there are so many things in a a women's lifetime and women's pelvic health that is just considered to be normal and it's it's that's not the case and so having a podcast like this to be able to discuss this and to really get the information out there uh, so that women know that there there can be a shift um, is really really important Um, I think for a long time uh, the women who are now in their 70s that was considered to be normal like it was just it was quietly handled and managed and uh, now it's the news is kind of starting to grow a little bit. I think the most important thing that um, women who have had babies need to understand, and I think it's something that we tend to forget, is that the act of being pregnant is a, a huge amount of load, right? Month by month, week by week, our bellies are growing. The, the amount of weight that we're bearing through our pelvis, through our pelvic floor, through our legs, is immense. Not not only that, but there's also the hormonal shifts that go on there as well. And then we deliver these babies. And it's if you deliver vaginally or C-section, it doesn't matter because there's some C-sections 
that there's a whole bunch of pushing before the C-section even comes. It, like there's, there's an incredible feat that goes on in that period of time. And so there, there needs to be some rehabilitation that's associated with that. And there are a, a lot of us that just kind of forget that. I think we get the, the okay from doctors at the six-week or the three-month mark. And they say, okay, yeah, go ahead, go and run, go and do the activity that you're doing. Go get, go to boot camp, go to CrossFit, go to whichever. And and really, what's what what's happening is women haven't rehabilitated themselves well enough uh, postpartum. And so then there's a whole series of issues that can then build upon that because there's just not the integrity there. And so the the long and short of it is, yes, things can change for sure. Which is a good thing for moms to know. <laughs> yeah. This is not, it doesn't have to be the new normal. And I think there were a lot of things you mentioned there, and I want to try to address, let's break it down a little bit. You sure. mentioned that um, there are a few issues of pelvic health that we assume is normal, regardless of whether women have had babies or not, um, that aren't really shouldn't or not necessarily to be considered normal can you walk through what those can those are well anything from prolapses to uh, leakage to painful sex um, any of those issues um, are not necessarily they're normal like normal physiological processes just like pain pain is a very normal physiological process but they're not actually something that needs to happen, right? They don't have to be a normal part of one's life. Um, they're, they're all things, and it's, and it's interesting. I mean, you talk to pelvic floor uh, physical therapists, and that's something I'll be telling your listeners a, a bit throughout this call, is one of, that's one of the most important things that someone can do. It's the best money you will ever spend. Um, is to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, no matter what stage you are. If you happen to be pregnant, it's a great time to start. If you are postpartum, about six weeks after delivery is a great time to see one. And then even if you're starting to have issues, it's a great time to see one. Because they're the ones who are, who are able to do an internal exam. And they can be able to tell you what's actually going on. Because sometimes these issues are coming from an overactive pelvic floor that a pelvic floor has almost become too tight. Sometimes it can be spasmatic, which is called hypertonic. And then in those, both of those cases, there needs to be some intervention to help um, release the spasm or help release the overactivity. Um, there, from talking with pelvic floor physios who refer to me, uh, they will say that more of the time it's that kind of issue as opposed to an issue that is an atrophy type of issue. So it's, um, so we tend to think as people, not just women, we, there tends to be a thinking that if there's pain present or if there's leakage present or if there's um, like really anything that's somewhat wrong, if I can use that word, it tends to be thought of as I just need to strengthen. Whereas the strengthening in, in most cases is actually not going to shift their, the outcome. Okay. So what, I'm like, wait, I have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> what, let's, let's, let's focus the, into the, that pelvic floor physical therapist and what, what that rehab, because you mentioned that, um, 
the pelvic floors need to be rehabilitated. Um, specifically, yes. we're focusing on uh, afterbirth because this is a birth-related podcast. So, sure. and uh, you, usually moms go in and see their doctors at six weeks and they give them the okay to do this or that, but they're not necessarily have had that rehab. What? So what does that rehab entail and how can they, what can they do? And does it have to... include a scene of a pelvic floor physical therapist and or is there other things in their daily lives that can be done and and maybe the physical therapist is something that comes depending on the severity of the issue yes so um human nature for sure is that we tend to go and see someone like a physical therapist when there's a problem and it is a great idea just to get a baseline but 20% of us will will do that uh, because we don't tend to think preventatively. We, we tend to think more from a, uh, okay, there's a problem here. I need to solve it. So on your own, probably the key things to think about are like where where is your body in space and are you standing in good posture when you are um, moving around and about? When you're breastfeeding, are you slumped and kind of pulling your breast down to baby or are you pulling baby up to breast and are you sitting up more um, in a vertical position you want to be able to have your rib cage nicely stacked on top of your pelvis because your diaphragm your respiratory diaphragm which is a key breathing muscle works with the pelvic floor and so the two of them are meant to be in sync and when we are pregnant the diaphragm can get quite squished depending on where the baby is. And if you've had, if you're carrying twins or triplets, then, then it will get super squished because there's very little space that now and there. And then, and again, depending on where the baby is, the load of carrying the baby can really put a lot of pressure on your pelvic floor and just being pregnant puts a lot of pressure on the pelvic floor. So there's a, there's a shift between those, those relationships. And so we need to help reestablish that relationship. So that, that we're breathing and when, when, we're, when the diaphragm drops on an inhale, then the pelvic floor is meant to drop on the inhale. And then when we exhale, they're both meant to lift. And we don't necessarily need to consciously lift the pelvic floor or consciously lift the diaphragm. That's not something that's going to happen. But we do, we do need to start to feel those areas. We need to feel particularly the pelvic floor as we're doing that inhale and exhale. And if the rib cage is nicely stacked on top of the pelvis, then we'll get a better connection because if you're someone who tends to be slumping quite a bit during breastfeeding, as an example, um, that's going to be a harder connection to make. And then whatever else you do is going to be more challenging. Like you really need to get that connecting piece. Um, and then when you learn that piece, that connection, like that better, better posture stance and improve the breathing between those two areas, uh, then you can think about that when you are carrying the baby um, or lifting up the car seat or how you're putting the car seat into um, into the car. So if you keep those things in mind and where your body is positioned, you're going to find that you are rehabbing a lot quicker. Now, the other thing that women have to remember and uh, is that delivery, whether it's C-section or, or vaginal, is is has, has been quite an impact. And I've heard people say that, and we use the term loosely, but I've heard people say it's like there's been an injury to our bodies in some way, in some form, 
So we need to take the time to enable the tissue to find its place again. And so a lot of physicians truly don't understand that so well. Um, and, uh, and so then that's why they'll say, well, yeah, you look good to go, so go ahead. But when there's um, a lack of connection and, a, and the breathing hasn't, the breathing components, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor components aren't reconnected, it's going to be a lot harder um, to um, go into the more uh, extreme or more active activity that a woman might be used to doing pre-pregnancy. So in, in a sense, is, is this something that the aligning, the stacking the, the rib cage over the, the hips and being very mindful of position? And I guess that requires, you know, bending with the knees then because you're trying to keep it aligned. Is that something that moms should start doing during pregnancy? How can, what, what is some preventative, I guess, um, measures that they can take during pregnancy? Yes, doing that during pregnancy would be terrific. In some ways, what we need to think of is that pregnancy, what we're doing in pregnancy prepares us for the delivery process. And the delivery process then impacts or and prepares us for the rehabilitation process, which will then get us into the right state physically for, um, uh, for, the, for getting back to activity in the rest of our lives. So yes, yeah, so when we're when we are pregnant, to be able to squat as much as we can, and then the squatting helps maintain suppleness in the pelvic floor as well, as opposed to leaning over and picking something up to get right down onto our haunches to the best of our ability. And you might need to hold on to something initially, um, but yes, yeah, squatting down is a great idea. Keeping yourself as mobile and as stable as you can. Um, the, and that is, again, the squatting is, is one, um, watching that you're not curling over and having your shoulders fall forward. It's not necessarily about pulling the shoulders back, but it is move those shoulder blades around, have them go to, like lift them up, do shoulder rolls, pull them back to your spine, but don't like hold your shoulders back, but have those joints moving well. And then you're, you'll be, you'll be setting yourself up for, um, for a, a good, place post-delivery there's there's one thing that's starting to happen that many of us are noticing is that there's a glamorization of pretty intense activity for people when they're pregnant and you can see that on instagram and other social feeds and we need to be really careful about that because some of those people could be way overdoing it and sure the fact that they don't put on a lot of weight during pregnancy might be interesting for some other for women um, but it's not necessarily the purpose of what pregnancy is and to keep in mind that um, be maintaining your, your activity level that you had pre-pregnancy is really not the point. The point is to help prepare us for delivery. Mm, and I and so, yes, I love that that you brought that up because one of the things that I've that I've seen and, and, and that I keep coming back to and seen in the sense of in the delivery room when mamas are pushing, right, that there is such a thing as a muscle that's too tight a perineum that's yes. too tight and that's kind of holding baby in in a way like the head's right there and it just sits there for a long yep. time and and you know you obviously want things to stretch but it's 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 a muscle that's been it's become so so strong which is not the same as toned that it it, it's tight, but it can't stretch as as lovely as you would like it to, so that baby can be born. Which is, you know, it's it, babies are born, but then you see some 
lingering, and in this case, trauma or or, or, or bigger cases of incontinence and, and, and even difficulty holding bowels because of that tight um, perineum, overtight, I guess. Yes, because we need to remember that the muscles, like all muscles, contract and release. And so if we're focusing so much on contract, then and not on release, then the release is not going to happen as well or as effectively like you have just mentioned when we're in a delivery mode. And we really need to have that release happen. We have to remember that the pelvic floor is the floor of our torso, yes. And there's orifices there for the passageway of fluid matter, and in this case, babies. And we need to enable the, that those orifices to be able to expand so that baby can move through. And when there's, when it's hitting up against a, a hard surface and baby can't move and the baby can't move. And if, if, if whatever the relationship is between pelvic floor and baby's head, sometimes it's tearing that then happens, which can create all sorts of other issues postpartum. Exactly. Yes. So what are some ways you mentioned contract and release? So what are some good exercises or good uh, posture, you know, habits for focusing both on the contract, contracting and releasing of those of those muscles? So when the, the first the first piece that is the most important is awareness. So we have to become aware of this part of our body. It's not just about doing an exercise because if you're not aware of what it is that you're doing, then um, you could be doing many things. This is why Kegels, while lots of people talk about how great they are, can also be really, really brutal for, for women because they're contracting their uh, gluteus muscles, they're contracting their inner thigh muscles, they're contracting their face and their feet, and they're not really in the pelvic floor, and that can create a number of problems. So we first of all want to make sure that we're aware of the pelvic floor and so a really easy way to do that, well, not easy, it's simple, because if, if you don't tend to pay attention to your pelvic floor, then it's not so easy. But a simple way is to simply, when you're in sitting or laying down, is to bring your attention first to the base of your pelvis. And so think about where the pubic bone is, and that's just at the front. If you bring your, your hand to your navel and slide all the way down, you'll feel a sticky, outy point at the very bottom of the front part of your pelvis. That's called the pubis. And then if you bring your hands underneath your bum, there's the bottom of your uh, pelvis and you'll feel two bones that are often called sitting bones. And that's what we sit on on a chair, hopefully, unless we're slumped back, then we're not. But if you sit more upright, you'll feel these two sitting bones, one on each side. And that's the, that's the layman's term for it. Anatomically, it's called the ischial tuberosities. And then um, between those two bones is where part of that pelvic floor is. And the pelvic floor is a big diamond that connects from those two bones and then forward to the pubis and then back to the very, very bottom of the spine. And so it's this nice big diagonal. So if you can begin to become aware of just this, this diamond shape or this floor initially between these two sitting bones and in the back of the spine and then front at the pubis, then you'll get a great, just greater understanding of, okay, what's there. So sometimes if you can't feel it, I find that put, sitting on a, on a heating pad um, can bring sensation to that area, and then, then you can feel that more. Uh, the other thing you can do once you feel that area is then just notice the orifices. And I find that when women f 
first think about the anal orifice, it's easiest because it's the biggest. And then you can think about contracting it and then relaxing it, contracting it and relaxing it and noticing if the contraction is easier than the the relaxation and that develops your baseline. Then you come forward to the vaginal orifice and do the same thing. So you contract that orifice and then release it and then contract that orifice and then release it and then move forward again to the urinary orifice. Now this one's really small, so you tend not to feel this one as much, but again, attempt to contract it and release it and notice the big thing is, is notice how the release is happening. And if you find that the contractions way stronger than the release, then you get to focus more and more on the release. Another thing you can do, and this is what I find a lot of women find helpful is whether it's in sitting or laying down with a pillow underneath your back and kind of have your, your, your torso slightly elevated um, or lying forward, it just it depends on what is the most comfortable, is imagine that you can uh, feel a, a flower blooming down in that area as you inhale and exhale. And for some women, the image of that and being less anatomical can sometimes be more approachable in terms of feeling this area. Okay. Now, in terms, you brought up Kegels, and I want to talk, <laughs> Kegels get, there's like a big controversy around Kegels, like, and, and, and there even seems to be a Kegels versus squat debate. Do you have, what's your opinion on this? And And is one better than the other? And is, you know, just by the fact of, of doing squats where you're going down and up, would that create the release and the tightening that Kegels may not because you tend to focus more on the tightening? Or what, what, what's your opinion? It all depends on the woman. So the squatting is really important because it's a, it's a natural movement that we need to be, we, we do day, hopefully day to day. It's a part of our leg bone motion in our pelvis that is a great movement to be able to do to get down to the floor and to get back up again. So that's just a good mobility strength movement to be able to do. Kegels, where they go a little sideways is, again, when someone's not quite aware of what they're doing and they just kind of say, okay, I'm going to do 10 Kegels, but they're not really thinking about it. That's when things can go a little bit sideways um, because you don't, they, they're not paying attention to the actual pelvic floor doing the contraction and release. Um, other, other times, um, when people do it, they overly contract the rear part of the pelvic floor where the anal orifice is. And so the, and the reason being is because that's what they feel more than the front. And when they do that, they can sometimes pull the tailbone forward and push the pelvis and the sacrum. That's the, the piece that the, that tissue is attached to, or it's attached to the very, very bottom of the, of the spine, but it can impact the sacrum, which is slightly above, but it can cause that to round and almost move posteriorly, which is not the position we want that bone to be in. And then that can change up the dynamic of the pelvis. So it's, it's, um, I'm not so, so sure that it's a clean debate to say squats are better than Kegels. They're two separate exercises because people can do squats terribly. Um, we want to make sure that the hips and knees and the ankles are in a good alignment as we come into a squat. We want to make sure the foot is, is stable and flat on the floor so that we feel three points of our feet. So the center of the heel, 
the ball of the foot and the base of the pinky toe, those three points, like you're standing on a tripod. We want to be able to feel those points as we're lowering down and that the knees are not going wide or narrow because if the knees are going wide or narrow, then that's telling us our, because the knee connects the same bone that creates the top of the knee fits into the hip. So if the knees are going wide or narrow, then that tells us there's something at the hips that isn't quite stable, enabling that leg to stay in the position it's meant to be in. So we want to make sure that that, that, um, that form, how we're doing the movement is done well. Um, and then when it's done well, then it's going to give us the benefit. So I can see some people who may have overdone Kegels. Like I can think of one colleague of mine who she said to me, Kegels are really terrible for her because she's a type triple A, is what she called herself. So when she would do Kegels, she would go way too hard. And she had to really, 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 really become mindful and relax, 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 and almost get into a meditative state and really feel her pelvis and pelvic floor and then do them. And then she was, and then they worked really well for her. But because of her personality and her tendency to really push and go hard, if she just did them in that state that she is often normally in, they wouldn't have helped her. So the same issues can, the issues of being driven and ambitious and not being aware can lead to problems with both scenarios, which is, which is why I'm not sure we can completely compare them as oranges to oranges. We want to make sure that we're doing them well. Mm. And we really appreciate also that you brought up the, you know, that there's different ways of doing Kegels, but also to be mindful to do proper squats and not because otherwise you're, you can be doing not, not get the benefits that you're looking for. So that having those, you know, feet parallel and not open wide, um, is 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 very i think people really need to pay attention to their squats and not tucking in their tailbone as they go and make sure their their um calves and, and and ankles are not tight so that they're not you know contorting the rest of the body to be able to get those down um do you have a way to like what are your your instructionally like how would you instruct people to do a good squat so I'll often start with, with a woman who's ready to go um, postpartum. I'll often start with a wall squat and with a ball in behind and then, and then have them lower and raise. And, they, and with the ball, because the ball shifts up their stability slightly, they, ha- they, ha- they, they tend to have to move a little slower. Tend to. Not, <laughs> there will always be people who really want to go fast. But How big that, is this ball we're talking to- about? Like an exercise ball, like um, like a yoga ball or a Pilates ball. Like the, they're they're the big. See, I know them as birth balls. <laughs> birth balls, yes. Birth balls would be the same idea, yes. Um, so when you put that in behind your back, and then you start to lower, uh, you want to make sure that those points of your hip, your knee, your and your ankle are all staying in in a line, and that you if you if your knee starts to veer off, if your foot starts to go flat, meaning like the arch flattens. Or if you go off onto the outside edge of your foot, or if your knee starts to go wide or goes in, or if your hip bone, or your, like your leg bone, as it attaches into the hip, if it starts to deviate in any way, then, then that's too far. And initially, people get frustrated because then they realize that they really aren't going very far. It's like, well, of course, because you probably haven't done these for a while. Your body is figuring out how to be again. So if you just stay within that range, though, the range will naturally grow. And that's the piece that people forget. 
Because a lot of people think that in order to strengthen, they need to push harder. Whereas that's not, if you just do the movement properly, you'll actually get stronger much, 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 much quicker because you're resolving an underlying movement pattern that has been inaccurate and not doing what needs to be done. You're improving that. That naturally gets you stronger. And then you'll start to go lower. And then you start to go lower. And then you'll hit up against more little patterns like that. And just make sure the form is good. And then you will get to where you want to go in, in a very, very short time. That sounds great. That sounds that so. And and they can start doing that as so. How how early can they start doing the ball against those squats? Well, I think the key is is how they're feeling. So, depending on the doctor, um, they will give certain contraindications with C-section or with vaginal delivery, depending on the amount of tearing, depending on the the scarring. Um, so, really, it, it's whatever those contraindications are. You need to listen to those first. Other than that, if you've been given, I would say give, give yourself four weeks and then, and then you can start to go lower. You could start to do squats sooner, but you just be, you got to be careful to not go too far. You really, 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 really have to listen and watch your movement. Because if you, if you start them earlier and you go too far, then that's going to really get you into trouble, which is why I typically say, after four weeks, then start doing them because we tend to have more of our tissue knitted back together by that point and things are, are more um, in a natural healing process, right? Like they've moved along the natural healing process. Um, so because I'm not, I don't know the people who are listening to this, I would, I would generally say um, after four weeks and they can get rolling on them. On them. Sounds good. Susie, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk and get deeper into the different issues that moms might be experiencing, like painful sex and prolapses and, and, and dry vaginas and, and, you know, peeing when they laugh and how those vary and the different things that can be done. We will be sure. right back. Yeah. Did you know that even though most expectant moms plan to breastfeed, the majority aren't really adequately prepared to get off to a good start? That is why world-renowned breastfeeding experts Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher have created their fabulous quick start video that gives you everything you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. Best of all, it's free. How awesome is that? Through their quick start video, you'll learn a simple technique that prevents nipple pain. You'll also find about the simplest way to help a newborn latch, as well as the best way to produce enough milk for your baby. These things will set you well on your way to a blissful breastfeeding relationship. And did I mention that it's free? Go watch the quick start video to natural breastfeeding at naturalbreastfeeding.com. And we are back. And so before we took that little break, we um, I wanted to talk about the different issues that might be coming up after having a baby, um, including leakage, painful sex, dry vaginas, prolapses. How are there things that are specific to each one? And maybe let's talk a little bit more about the cause and how they differ. Well, the interesting thing is, is you can think about each of those as symptoms. So it's not necessarily a thing. And 
um, a lot of times, and this is mostly because of our, our, the way our medical system is set up, is it's a let's find the problem and fix it. And it's not so much about a find it and fix it. It's a becoming aware of pelv- your, what your pelvis and what your tissue is actually doing. And so in these cases, this is, these are cases when um, seeing a pelvic floor physio really is worth it because um, if you're having trouble becoming aware of this part of your body, um, they'll be able to help you uh, recognize that because the other thing too that, um, that women need to recognize is that after there's been a trauma, so to speak, and I use that term loosely, but really delivering babies, whether vaginally or, or through a C-section, um, there, there is trauma to the body. Um, and then when there's trauma, when there's, when there's pain that's present post-delivery, the body wants to move out of pain. And that's whether it's post-delivery or anything else, whether you've been in a car accident, whether you've fallen down the stairs, any, anything. Like there's pain and we don't, like our brainstem doesn't want us to have to sit in pain. So we'll tend to compensate and try and lift ourselves up and out of that pain. And so if you think about if you sprained an ankle and you had to walk back to your car, you're, you're, you'd limp because you take a little more weight on one side and the, uh, and the side that you had injured can't bear as much load. So the other side tends to take more of it or you might hold your breath or brace through your ribcage to try and stay up and out of that painful place. And that's all happening subconsciously. We're not aware that we're doing this. It's one of the great things that our body does for us in order to keep us moving forward. And it's also the thing that really can get us into trouble. So the, the thing that, that women need to realize is that there's, it's really easy to compensate uh, post-delivery when there's particularly when, the, particular when there's pain and you're taking care of a, a newborn. So you kind of have to keep living life and taking care of the baby. So there's sometimes not a lot of time to think about one, one, one's own self. And so there needs to be some time to actually think about oneself. And if, if you, um, if you don't, then that's when um, more issues can arise if there's already some issues that are present, unfortunately. And what the, the physical therapist can then do is then help you see not only and feel that those, those areas, but also what those compensatory patterns are because the, the pelvic floor has strong connections into the torso as well as up through into the neck and the jaw. And so we can hold ourselves, embrace ourselves with our rib cage and our shoulders to try and lift ourselves out of pain. And then when we, when we start to rehabilitate those areas of our pelvis, we're going to also have to learn how to settle through the rib cage and the breast and the neck as well. So sometimes we're unaware of the other relationships that are part of the problem. And it could simply be improving those which then clears up the issue that a woman is having. Hmm. So yeah, there's a, there can be a lot of compensation throughout the body to to, yeah. to get, like you say eliminate the pain or get out of the pain. So yeah, tell me a bit more about what going to a, a, a physical therapist, a pelvic floor physical therapist, looks like because I think there's there's a little bit of of, of fear and a little bit of you know that thought of like. Well, you know, I don't. Somebody's going to be in my privates, and how is this going to work? So, can you demystify a bit of well, how that works, and what are some, what some, how the process goes, and what are some of the tools that you use? So, yes, they will be down there. They will be, and 
um, they will be uh, doing an internal exam and they will be feeling for the relative tone of the pelvic floor. Um, so there, that will be happening. And as, and I, the, the, the important part and why it can be so helpful is because you can really understand what the contributing factors are to the issue that you're having. And an ultrasound can only go so far. An MRI can only go so far. Hands-on can, can really help bring that awareness, right? Because the, the, um, the MRI and the, and the ultrasound or the CT scan can only tell you what those things see. They don't necessarily help you become aware of those things. Whereas when someone provides hands-on and some tactile, they can help you actually uh, see and then feel what is, what's actually happening and bring your awareness. Because again, you can't change anything you're not aware of. And, and one of the reasons things become normal, like issues become normal is because we're not aware of what's actually going on. Like we can feel the pain, but we're not actually aware of what's actually going on. And because if we were aware of it, we would, we could be able to change it. The other thing that they'll do is they'll look at the other compensatory strategies that might show up. So issues that might be going on in the inner thighs or the outer hips, um, up through the belly, the diaphragm, the rib cage, and through the neck. And they'll start to see and help you feel those relationships. And when you start to feel those relationships, then you can start to shift. Like the, the beauty is, from my perspective, is that a lot of these issues that, um, um, that pelvic floor physical therapists are seeing have more of a habitual and behavioral component to them which means they can be changed by simply shifting a few things that are going on in your world. So for example, my sister gave birth to twins 14 years ago and she, when I saw her about probably about six to eight months postpartum and I was just looking at her and something was just not right in how she was walking. And it was like her foot, her, her, the way she was walking, her foot strike was just heavier than it normally had been before she was pregnant. And it just made me wonder if there was something um, going on for her. And because um, I'm not a pelvic floor physical therapist, so I don't do any internal work. And I said to her, I said, you, you know, you might want to get that checked out because if, even if you're not having issues now, because she wasn't having leakage issues at that point, she was having some other back issues, I think, but nothing like painful sex or um, leakage at that point. And, um, and so she, she did go to the pelvic floor physio and the physio gave her a couple of exercises to help retrain her bladder because her bladder um, wasn't uh, responding to touch the way that it should be. So it wasn't responding in terms of a contraction releasing experience, which is what the pelvic floor physios can test for. And so she gave my sister a couple of things that she could do to help reconnect that the bladder movement. So then that's what Lynn practiced for um, uh, like a short period of time and then things that she had felt they all went away like gone like completely gone and what was what's even more interesting is she at the time where we live up here in Canada so it can get quite wintry where we are and she was in a cross-country on a cross-country ski team a master's level of the ski team and she was at the back of the pack and within two weeks of doing these exercises and that was the only thing she did she was at the front of the pack just by getting that area of her body working better. So that's the benefit. So for the, the concern that people might have 
um, there's a ton of benefit on the other end. Um, and you don't need to go very often. And the, and of all the, of all the professionals that I've met other than doulas and midwives, um, I would say doulas, midwives and public floor physios all fall into this camp. I've not met a more passionate group of people and such a desire to help women because, um, they all, they all see these issues and say, man, you know something, they don't have to happen. Like they really don't have to happen. And, and some women don't even know that they don't have to happen. And when the woman has the knowledge, then they, she can make all these changes and really shift up the quality of her, the quality of her life. I was speaking to one yesterday, actually, we were talking about this and she said, you know, leakage is not sexy <laughs> and it can, and it can actually change. And, um, but oftentimes it's more than just doing some contraction releases of your, of your pelvic floor. You really need to understand what your baseline is. We need to, you need to understand what the actual problem is. And then when you know when the actual problem is, then you can fix it. But if you don't know the actual problem, you just kind of throw a remedy at it, then you might not be actually solving the thing that is the thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the, the story about your sister because it really reflects how structurally important this is to our bodies, that it's not just about leaking or or how it affects, you know, sex or how it affects just our daily lives in that sense, but also our whole body structure and how the compensation can really affect how we move. And then that makes sense to me why you might have some issues that weren't so not a big deal, you know, postpartum, everything's fine. You might not be leaking during that time. But then do you see that problems come up years and years after and that were that kind of started at during after a birth? I see most people that I see are 10 years postpartum. Mm -hmm. And they are, um, to put it mildly, very unhappy that nobody told them that they sh what they should do postpartum. And, and so these women now are, um, I mean, depending on when they had their, their last kid, they could be anywhere from uh, 40 to 45 to 50. And they're, yeah, they're, they're unhappy because they, they, no one, no one told them. Whereas what I'm hoping now is that because this conversation is really starting to grow, that, um, that at least the information will be more prominent out there for women and we can, at least they'll, they'll, they'll know and then they can make a choice. Like one colleague of mine who works very specifically with women who are pregnant often finds it difficult to have conversations with pregnant women because they just don't see it as being an issue. Um, or even shortly after having the babies, they just don't quite see it as an issue. They don't, because they aren't having problems. And, uh, and that's really the time, like about six weeks postpartum, that's really the time to actually really make sure that everything's okay. Because if you can adopt a preventive mindset, which I know 20% of people will do, not the 80% won't, but if you can, then at least you can develop a, a, uh, a baseline for what's going on so that if issues do arise later, at least you know what was. Yeah. And it that it's something that can, if you are starting to have issues during pregnancy of saying, you know, laughing and, and peeing and sure, you've got all this, like you mentioned at the beginning, all this extra, extra pressure, extra weight from baby placenta, bigger uterus, all the things, right? 
on and, mm-hmm. and, and relax and that's making everything more loose and, and flexible on on your pelvic floor and things are a lot as compensating but it's I think it's really great to to think that you can start doing something about it right then that can actually mm-hmm. make for a better delivery and a better postpartum and of course years mm-hmm. after yes because it's really pelvic floor for life right it's our pelvic health for life like how we are for women who do have babies how we are postpartum has such an impact later on in life and if Women can take that on, not as another to-do, to-do in their day and to put on their list and, oh, my gosh, like I've already got so much on my plate, but really to see it as this will have, this is like saving money for the future almost. It's like if you can do this, this stuff now, it's going, it's going to be uh, such a like, much less of a burden later on. Absolutely. And one of the reasons I was very excited to talk to you today is that recently I had on the podcast Dr. Brighton, and she was talking about how in France, every, every pregnant woman after they give birth, they all get physical therapy, pelvic floor physical therapy as part of their medical recovery. It's included with insurance. And and that's what everybody does because they do understand the importance for not just for immediate recovery, but for long life impact. Mm-hmm. Hence the joie de vivre. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes. Right? Priorities, like, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, it's there, but there's something to it. Like I, we laugh. But I think there's really something to it because the we we can be so destructive in some ways and in our bodies and and women can get back to physical activity really fast. I mean, I totally understand the desire to get baby weight off and get back to to a fitter space. And the the this might sound um, odd for me to say, and when the person who's listening, I want you to listen to everything I'm about to say. Don't stop at the first phrase. Um, but you're not going to get your pre-pregnancy body back. What you can have back is a stronger body, right? So what has happened is you have just carried a load for nine months. And if you've had more than one child, you've had a load a, multiple, a few times, and then you've delivered that load. So how our bodies are, are is not the same as pre-pregnancy. So we really have to truly, truly, truly understand that. And that doesn't mean we can't be as strong or stronger and fitter and more stable and more mobile and more all of that stuff, even with what we have just gone through. So I think that's really vital to have people not think I'm going to have my body back because the body is not the same. Things have shifted in position. I know of women who's where their baby was situated, they were kicking up into their ribs and they bruised their ribs and and others had other stuff happening. Like it, like it, it's just not the same. So I think if we can really appreciate, it's not the same. And and that's the important word. We can have so much more if we just pay attention, be aware, and um, and take it step by step postpartum. And then when these issues arise, like if there's leakage, when we laugh or when you're on the trampoline, if there's pain. Those are signals that our body is telling us and they are not meant to be ignored. So we need to be able to get them checked out. And I, I mean, as much as I love my doctor, as much as I love the specialists I've had to see at different stages of my life, 
doctors haven't been trained to really look at these kinds of things. And we just need to, we need to appreciate that. And so we need to go to the professional who is supportive in that, um, in that frame. Mm, yeah. And yes, your body will not be the same. And thank goodness. Like, I, I, I think we need to switch that around and go and, and be more empowered about this new body that we got. Because I always say, like, the topography changes. You can't have a baby go through your vagina and have everything stay the same. <laughs> It's just not. Like, topography changes. But our topography changes throughout our all our lives. Like, when we were little kids yeah. and then we got breasts and our hips grow. And, like, we're constantly changing. And... And I, I, I'm so about eliminating that stigma because thank goodness you don't change. And yes, you have tiger stripes and like it's a, we're coloring it with a different level of beauty that we've culturally accepted. But we need that's from an external source. We need to get back to loving our bodies for what they've done and what they can continue to do and that they can be stronger and tougher. And, and yeah, like it's so amazing to me. <laughs> yes. And women can, if they're a CrossFitter, they can get back to CrossFit. They can get back to boot camp, They can get back to all those intense activities. They just have to appreciate that the integrity of their bodies needs to be at a level to bear that load of intensity. And, and it seems like fitness programs over the past 15 years have just become more and more and more and more and more intense, which is great. I'm all for a challenge. And do you, as the woman who's had a baby, have the integrity to actually do it? So if you then are experiencing pain, leakage, while you're doing those activities, that's something to pay attention to. Like, It's, it's not, don't file it away in a folder of, well, I had a baby. So this is the way it is. Yes, you had a baby. And this is something that can change is the folder that should get, that should get filed into. Mm, love it. So Susie, what are some of your favorite resources out there for women that they can take a look at or read or listen to or regarding this? I think probably one of the greatest resources who's a pelvic floor physio and she's very, 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 very funny. And she really makes this whole uh, conversation very lighthearted. And her name is Dr. Susie Gronsky. And she, she has an Instagram account. She's got a great blog and she's very, very funny. She calls herself the pelvic, uh, the pelvic or the physical therapist for your privates. So she really demystifies um, a lot of, um, of what is out there. There's another woman who, and she's based in the United States. Then there's a woman who is in Canada, and her name is Kim Vopni, V-O-P-N-I. And she's with Pelvien, P-E-L-V-I-E-N-N-E, Pelvien Wellness as well as Belly's Inc. And she's also got a great blog that can help women understand the fitness component to this. So those are two uh, resources that women can connect in with. Um, there's one other one from a different angle again. She's an OBGYN um, who's also has a history of being quite a, quite a healer. So she bridges the world's of medical world of OBGYN and the intuitive medical intuitive world. And her, her name is Dr. Carol, C 
C-A-R-O-L-L-E, um, Jean Murat, so J-E-A-N hyphen M-U-R-A-T, I believe. Um, her website is drcarol.com, and she's got some some interesting things there. You can even call her and have a consult with her on the phone. Um, so that's another resource that might be really interesting for listeners. And then if listeners want to get in contact with you and learn more of what you're doing and follow what you're up to, how can they do that? So they can reach me at my website at functionalsynergy.com, F-U-N-C-T-I-O-N-A-L, synergy.com. And they can also find me on uh, Facebook and on Instagram uh, if they want to search me out that way. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to help out because they, that, that women need to know. <laughs> they need to know they do not have to suffer with this stuff. Absolutely. Before we go, is there one last like suggestion or, or exercise or tip that you want to leave moms, either pregnant or new, new moms, um, with? I think the key is, is to give yourself a break. Um, to not think of any of the stuff as to do because you've already got your hands full, uh, whether your hands are full with a new baby or whether your hands are full with growing a baby or you're later on uh, and your, ba- your babies are now children and maybe moving into teen years. Uh, and if you didn't know this stuff, don't worry. There's time. You, you like there's there's opportunity to make a shift. A lot of our sh- the shifts can be done by our own efforts for sure. So to to uh, to follow the resources I suggested, become aware of your pelvis and your pelvic floor, and then from there, a whole lot of change can happen. Mm, and that you don't have to suffer <laughs> through the thing. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Thank you so much, Susie. It was wonderful having you on the show today. Great. Thank you so much. Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts, and if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at Birthful, so come say hi. And if you're pregnant, do not forget to go grab my birth partner's ultimate labor support toolkit at birthful.com slash toolkit. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The title song for this podcast is Vibe Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.